This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. Certainly a blessing to see everyone here this morning. I want to echo what's already been said about our visitors. We're glad that you're with us. You truly bless us with your presence, and we invite you back anytime you can meet with us. I've got a uh, question up here. You may have seen already. What is one of the greatest gifts you can give someone? And even in this, this question, I had to word it very carefully because... I didn't put the greatest gift. If you answered, certainly sharing Jesus with someone, presenting the gospel, giving them the Bible, dying with someone, you know, I wouldn't argue with you. Those are some of the greatest gifts. The thing we're going to speak on or consider this morning is something we may not even consider as a gift. But as we look into it, we'll see that this is not only just a gift, but it's one of the greatest things we can give to somebody. And that gift is forgiveness. And it is part of the gospel message. And it is a unique gift that we can give to someone. It's priceless. It's unique because we all have different relationships. As we'll see this morning, forgiveness is about relationships that we have with others and God. And so it's unique, those relationships. And when we sin against others, when they sin against us, that forgiveness is is unique in nature, it's a spiritual gift, and no one can force us to forgive somebody. Nobody can make us do it, and at the same time, nobody can prevent us from giving forgiveness to somebody. So forgiveness, I'm convinced that it's not just a gift, but it's one of the greatest gifts that we can offer to somebody. And certainly something we take for granted. As I thought through this, this morning, as I went through these scriptures, what I could see was kind of a, a process, if you will. If you can, I know this print may be a little small, but there's two different categories. If you are the sinner or you hope to be the one that is forgiven, well, there's this process. There's a sin that's committed. You've done something wrong. You ask for forgiveness. You go to that person, go to God, please forgive me. And then if that process works, the forgiveness is granted you receive forgiveness on the other hand of the equation you as the forgiver well you are sinned against but it could go either way you may be asked for forgiveness the person that commits a sin against you may come to you saying please forgive me but as we're going to discuss this morning that may not always be the case there may you may not receive that request and so hopefully, though, we as Christians, we're going to see, hopefully we are still willing to forgive others and never hold that forgiveness hostage. If we're hanging out, if, if there's one thing we come away with this morning, if we're hanging out in this middle category, if we're between sin and forgiveness, let's get out of that. How do we get out of that situation? Because we've all been there where we've sinned and we know that we haven't received forgiveness yet, and that is a bad place to be, where we haven't received forgiveness. And it's equally bad, though, as, as we'll see this morning, that to be in this place here where somebody has asked for forgiveness or somebody has sinned against us, 
and we are in the middle where we haven't provided them that forgiveness. An example, you understand forgiveness. A lot of times we take it for granted, but you really understand this process. Like let's say you mess something up at work and your job is on the line. You've really knocked something up. You understand forgiveness. You're hoping that you get forgiven because your job's on the line. In your relationship, maybe a friendship, maybe your marriage, maybe you've really made a mess of things. And you go to that person maybe multiple times, please forgive me, and you're pleading forgiveness. You appreciate forgiveness in those examples. But as we go through our daily lives, a lot of times we just take forgiveness, especially in our relationship with God, we just take that for granted. And it's easy to become numb to forgiveness. So this morning, let's hopefully refocus our minds and realize what a great blessing forgiveness is and, and let's just never take it for granted. Our forgiveness was bought with a price. It took our Lord and Savior being nailed to a cross. He paid the price for our sins. So let's, again, let's truly think about and appreciate forgiveness. The word forgiveness in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word ephesus, which is defined as freedom, pardon, deliverance, liberty, remission. So in other words, if you are forgiven, the slate is wiped clean. There's remission. It's, the, the sin is gone. You have liberty from it. First scripture this morning, 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now in most prayers, we ask for forgiveness. And sometimes that can literally just be out of habit. We ask for it, maybe every prayer we ask God for forgiveness. But if you stop and think, when you ask God for forgiveness, what are you actually doing there? If you ask God for forgiveness, you're asking our Lord and Creator, please don't remember my sin. Erase these things that I've done against you. Please do this. And that's really a bold request when you think about it because to put it in perspective, why, does, why, why would He forgive you? Why would God forgive you? He has given you very clear commands how to live your life. And as we all do throughout every day, we commit these sins against Him. Why, why would He forgive us? So when we go to Him, hopefully we're not just you know out of repetition asking for forgiveness of sins but we realize that is a very serious request god please forgive me of this sin that i've sinned against you because otherwise it's almost more of a demand god forgive me forgive me god well again why you know he's not required to forgive that sin This is an amazing promise here just in this verse. We're told here that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. In other words, if we confess it, He's going to do that. And that is an amazing promise that we have. And someone might ask, well, if God knows everything, a lot of people may not understand, what is the point of confession? If God knows everything and He knows that I'm sorry, why do we need to confess it? Well, it's not so much that He needs us to confess it. When we confess our sins, whether to God or to someone else, what that does is, first of all, it shows that we recognize, I've done something wrong. In our relationship with God, God, I have sinned against you. 
And number two, it shows that we're humble and that we need that forgiveness. So that's why that confession is important. And what a, what a great promise this is. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. And be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So forgiveness is an act of kindness. And so hopefully each of us, you know, we carry the title Christian. What does that mean? It means that we try to, we try to be Christ-like. We are a follower of Jesus Christ. God, for Christ's sake, as we read here, He has forgiven us for Christ's sake or His benefit. We, as we carry that title Christian, do we forgive others? Because it is an act of love, it's an act of kindness. And again, forgiveness relates to relationships, both with God and others. Because when we sin against God, or we sin against someone else, what does that do? It creates a wedge in that relationship that we have with the, with the other person. Sometimes it may not just be a wedge, it may break that relationship. Well, if there's no forgiveness... That's never gonna, the situation is never going to be healed. There has to be forgiveness to heal that relationship. And for us with God, Jesus paid the price and we're able to be reconciled to God even though we're sinful. So without forgiveness, we would be in a very bad position. Forgiveness is hard to find out in the world because forgiveness is spiritual in nature. You know, we look at our... Here in America, we have a criminal justice system that is designed to rehabilitate a criminal. You know, you've done a, a crime and you serve time behind bars. And the goal there is hopefully you go into the, the justice system, the prison or the jail, you think about what you've done, and you come out as a new person ready to fit in as, as somebody that can function in society, and hopefully you leave that crime behind. But we know that is, does a criminal, do they ever truly get to erase that black mark off their record completely? For example, when you go in to apply for a job, most job applications have a, a section, sometimes pretty lengthy, have you ever committed this level of crime or whatever, list your criminal history out. There's a difference between true forgiveness and what the world, you're not gonna find that in the world. And just as a side note, just I wanna to talk to our young people here just for a minute because people in this room, we know young people that you're gonna make mistakes. We've been there and we've made mistakes and we understand forgiveness. The church understands we should be forgiving you. But out there in the community, it's, there's a different set of rules going on out there. And it's just an incentive to do what's right, to, to be wise in your decisions because those black marks that you make, you can make some mistake now and it will follow you through the rest of your life. Again, because forgiveness, it's hard to find out there in the world. It's, it's so important that we make good choices, especially when we're young. But God provides a way that sins can be blotted out and thank Thank God that, that He is a forgiving God. The world does not have such a system. Imagine if there was no forgiveness of sins. What if God didn't provide us a promise? Our relationship 
with him would be very different. Our mentality would be very different. But think about that in our relationships with others. If someone looks at us and said, that person will never forgive me, well, how are you ever going to be close to that person? That goes with our relationships with others and our relationship with God. We can be close to God because, as we've already read, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We know that for sure that we can be close to God because He's told us that. And hopefully, as Christians, somebody that carries that title, I am a follower of Christ, hopefully others can look to us and say, I know He is going to forgive me of that sin, therefore I can have a good relationship with Him. During a dispute with someone, let's say you have an ongoing dispute this morning with someone. A question I think that would be good for us to ask, there's the first one there, am I eventually going to forgive this person? As we go through lives and have our, through our life and have differences with others, maybe they've done something to us, am I, am I ever going to forgive that person? If our, if our answer is no to that, well, I think we need to have a different discussion and probably need to delve into the Scripture a little bit more because as we're going to see, the Scripture is very clear that forgiveness is a, a command. And so we're going to assume that the answer to this question, am I eventually going to forgive this person? Hopefully, yes. Which leads to the second question, why not do it now? I thought that through, and I seriously asked the question, is there ever a situation where it, it would be beneficial to just wait a little while to forgive somebody? And I, I couldn't come up with anything. I could not come up with a valid reason where it would truly benefit the situation to withhold or delay forgiveness. But what we so very often do is that's what we do. We withhold it. We hold forgiveness hostage. We might say, I'm not going to forgive them unless they do such and such. Or I want to hear it. You're sorry. I want to hear it. You know, that's what if God operated like that? As we're going to read it here in just a moment, what if Jesus operated like that? Where he demanded you know, he didn't freely offer that forgiveness. What benefit is there to withholding forgiveness? When we talk about forgiveness, there's no better example than the prime example of forgiveness, and that's Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 and 6 say this, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go, into thine go unto thine house. So, if you would, try to put yourself in this, this scenario here. Try to visualize this. There's this, probably a crowd of people, and this, this man comes, and he's confined to this bed. There's definitely faith. This man truly believes that 
that he is going to be healed. And as Jesus begins talking to him, you can probably, this guy is just waiting to, to jump up and walk. And maybe you actually, he's actually at the point, he's just waiting for Jesus to heal him. And then what happens? Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Huh? And you wonder what he was thinking at that point because it doesn't seem like that's what he was there for. He, was, he had faith that Jesus, he knew Jesus could heal him, and that's why he came there. And then Jesus kind of throws this curveball like, your sins are forgiven. And what is he thinking at that point? What is everybody thinking? Well, we know the scribes and Pharisees, we know how they feel. And immediately they jump on it like he's blaspheming there. Nobody can forgive sins. So what does Jesus do? Well, he, he basically says, you know, he proves the point. If you don't believe I can heal sins, well, I'm going to, or forgive sins, I'm going to heal this man. And he goes ahead and heals the man. And the man, the man arises and walks. But the, the emphasis here that that man came for was to be healed of, of his uh, physical uh, situation. He couldn't walk. And what does Jesus do? He puts the emphasis on forgiveness. These people came expecting to see a miracle. And actually, they did see a miracle. And we may not think about that, but the miracle was that they got was the man was healed of his sins. Yes, he was healed physically, but he was also healed of his sins. That's a miracle in of itself. And Jesus poses a very interesting question here in verse 5. He says, what's easier to say, your sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk? Which one of those is easier for somebody to do? Without... In the absence of God, a man cannot do either of these. I can't go walk up to somebody and say, your sins are forgiven you. All your sins, are you're free and clear of sin. I can't go up to somebody that's paralyzed and say, arise and walk, and they, they walk. We can't do those things outside of, of God allowing us to do that. These powers are reserved by God, and so what Jesus does here is he shows that I have this power to forgive sins and just the point overall point here is Jesus is the source of forgiveness he has that power whether these people or this man were looking for forgiveness the message is clear that Jesus is the source of forgiveness the man may not have been looking forgiveness for forgiveness but that's what he got and so in the context of our, our talk this morning there we see there was not a request for forgiveness. The man didn't come there saying, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. He came there to be healed of his physical ailment, but he got forgiveness of sins. And as we look at ourselves, maybe in people that have sinned against us, maybe we don't get that request from others, but should we withhold that forgiveness from them? The greatest example of this is in Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 34, when Jesus forgives the very people that are putting him to death. Luke 23, starting at verse 32, says this, And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left, then said Jesus, Father, 
forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So even after Christ suffered, and we know how bad that suffering was, even after all of that that he endured, he asked God to forgive those, the very people that demanded and that were putting him to death. He, he requested that they be forgiven. And there's probably, I would say, two different groups of people here in this scenario. For one, you had the Roman soldiers who were actually the executioners that were physically nailing Jesus to the cross. I'm going to think they probably didn't know Jesus. We don't know for sure, but that was really their job. And what a job that would be. Where to them, okay, this is just another criminal that I'm putting to death here. And so they certainly probably didn't, or they probably didn't know what they were doing. They were doing that. They were just doing their job as bad as that was. But then you had the people that Jesus specifically came to save that were saying, crucify him, his blood be on me and our children, put him to death. Those people really didn't know what they were doing. They were caught up in the moment. They were ignorant, you could say. They didn't fully understand who Jesus was or what he was doing. This event here, though, is the gold standard of forgiveness, if we want to call it that. Because for Jesus, here you are, you're wrongfully accused. You've lived out this perfect life, and now people are pretty much committing every sin against you imaginable. They're lying about you, bearing false witness. They're torturing you, spitting. You know, they're doing all this stuff to you, and now you're going to die. And you have groups of people down here doing what? Dividing your garments up. You know, you know, who cares about this guy on the cross? There's just a lot of ignorance there, not understanding what is actually going on. And at that point, if you're Jesus hanging on that cross after all of this has happened, what incentive is there for you to ask God to forgive those people? You know, from a worldly logic, perspective there is no incentive why on earth would somebody that suffered like this that is dying this gruesome awful death why would this person ask to forgive all these people that have demanded it it, it it's almost we just hard to understand that level of uh, forgiveness but yet god receives this request from Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's the prime example of forgiveness, and it goes back to the point, those people didn't ask for forgiveness, but Jesus sure gave that. He requested, Father, forgive them. That was one of the last things that he uttered. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so it just really is a sobering thing when we look at ourselves as people that carry this title Christian, how do we measure up to the gold standard of forgiveness? People may not deserve our forgiveness. There's going to be a lot of people that probably don't, that don't, couldn't care less if we forgive them or not. But as someone who calls themselves a Christian, hopefully we offer others in some feeble way Christ-like forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 and 14 through 15. Matthew 6, starting with 11. And this is Jesus' uh, model prayer, you could say, when he's teaching us how to pray. He, the first thing he says is, give us 
this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that, that verse 11, that first, those first words, just they've always struck me as kind of interesting because give us this day our daily bread. That can seem kind of unimportant, but I think there's a lot of importance in it because it's an admission that you need God to provide even your basic necessities to sustain you in life. And it's an, by voicing that to him, it's just a humble attitude that where you're saying, God, just sustain me. Give me my daily bread. And I, I think there was a, a reason why that is in uh, this model prayer from Jesus. And then he says in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he goes on in verses 14 and 15 to say this, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So in, on the topic of forgiveness, Jesus doesn't just say, doesn't teach us or show us you need to be asking for forgiveness, but he makes this point and forgive our, as we forgive our debtors. So he, he tells us to go to God and request forgiveness, but only as we forgive our debtors. And wow, that is definitely something for us to con consider because he goes on to elaborate on this in 14 and 15. And he says, for if, if, you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. However, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We should freely offer forgiveness whether it's, whether it's asked for or not. Let's, let's just make sure that we freely forgive others. Forgiveness is between us and others, but you see there's this link here. If we can't forgive someone else, should we expect God to forgive us? If we're unforgiving, will we receive forgiveness? Well, I don't have to answer that for you because Jesus answers that for us. And it's, there's really no way we can argue against it. We should freely offer forgiveness whether it's asked for or not. That's really just the attitude we have. Are we a forgiving person? That does not, however, I don't want to make in any way sound like we should not be asking others for forgiveness or hope that they ask for it because that is an important piece of the puzzle. There is so much value in asking others for forgiveness and vice versa, receiving that request. It's part of communication because if you harm me in some way, but you never ask for forgiveness, well, I may think that you don't care. Maybe you don't want my forgiveness. And then on the flip side, if I do something wrong against you, I may deeply regret it, but if I never come to you and ask for forgiveness, you may get a different impression of me than really what's going on there. So the requests for forgiveness are very important. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. 
Thou shalt. That sounds like a commandment. Thou shalt. Forgive him. We see here a process of communication. If someone doesn't realize that they have done something wrong to you, let them know. Rebuke him. Now that word rebuke, what are we doing there? You know, are we going to that person? You've done this wrong to me. You better be sorry about it. Are we, you know, we're jumping out at them, tearing them down? Well, what what are we trying to achieve with that rebuke? And if he repent, that's that's the goal of the rebuke. So we would hope that when we go to this person that sinned against us, that that rebuke leads to repentance. If if you go about that the wrong way, you, you may end up doing anything but that. You have an opportunity there for that forgiveness to remove the wedge, to correct the, the strain in the relationship, and you may get rid of that if that rebuke isn't done in the right manner. Someone could use these verses because there's an if statement in there. If he repent, forgive him. You could... I guess make the argument, well, see, Jesus himself says, if he repent, forgive him. Okay. But I don't believe the point made here is trying to qualify or you know, put fine print in this message of forgiveness. The, the focus is not on that whether or not that request is made. The focus is on if they come to you asking forgiveness thou shalt forgive. We can forgive somebody if they don't ask. That just That's our attitude that shows kindness and humility. And if we're looking for a way out of forgiveness, you know, we're just really looking at, uh, for a way out of doing something good and loving for someone. The focus here, though, is if they ask for forgiveness, thou shalt forgive. You know, when, when Jesus was asked this question, it, it, Apostle Peter kind of, I don't know if he was looking for a limit, like how many times do I have to forgive somebody? And we should never, it was very clear here that we should never have uh, that type of mentality where we're looking or hoping to someday, I can't wait till I get to that point where I don't have to forgive him anymore. That's, Jesus makes it very clear there is no limit or cap on the Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not going to end. Luke, or sorry, Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 35. Matthew 18, starting verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had, when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. In financial terms, the king called the debt. He said, I want payment right now. If you can't pay me, I'm going to sell you everything you own. I'm going to sell your family to satisfy this debt. But what happens? The servant therefore fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. 
But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. Very small amount compared to this grand fortune that was just forgiven. He finds this guy that owes him just a hundred pence and he lays hands on him. Imagine being in this scene. He lays hands on him. He takes him by the throat. Pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not. Went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. From your hearts, that means it's a sincere forgiveness, not just saying it. It's a sincere, heartfelt forgiveness. You truly forgive that debt. The, the debt here is a, is a financial debt. There was an amount owed in financial terms. If we take out a debt, if you know, we have a loan, well, we owe that amount to, to someone else, and only they can forgive that debt. In this parable, the, the king, he was due this massive sum of money. He was in control of this servant. And he was the, one, the only one that could forgive that. And when the man fell down and worshipped him, the king just was moved with compassion. And, he didn't, and you notice the man didn't ask, forgive me of the debt, Lord. He just said, give me some... Can you please give me some more time and I will pay you, I will pay you everything I owe you. But the king was so moved that he said, I'm not only going to give you more time, the the debt is wiped clean. You have remission of that debt. And this is an illustration of how God is moved with compassion. When we truly ask Him for forgiveness, as we've already looked at in some of these verses, He is faithful and just to forgive us. When we go... We serve a compassionate God when we truly plead for that forgiveness. He, he gives it. And He goes above and beyond. Like we're in this, this uh, man's shoes here. We just want a little bit and God just blesses us beyond our wildest imagination. However, though, as we see what happens here, how did this man react? After all that he was forgiven, he goes out and takes some little bitty thing that's owed to him and treats this guy terribly and throws him into prison. And what happened? Well, that forgiveness, you know, the king, you know, changed things up there because that man was unforgiving. And that, how true that can be for us as we go through life. We have complete remission of sins. But then we go through life and for these minor inconveniences, we'll often hold that against somebody and refuse to give them that forgiveness when we have been forgiven everything. I put together this little 
on a forgiveness difficulty scale. This is just for perspective. In no way am I saying that it's ever easy to forgive someone because forgiveness is hard, especially as you get up into these serious life-changing things. But so often we hang out down here in the easy realm. These inconveniences, somebody cuts us off in traffic, somebody cuts in front of us in line or does some minor thing. And we get upset, maybe we're patting ourselves on the back if we have compassion on them. Well, really, so what? I mean, we should be quick to forgive those things. But sometimes they trip us up and sometimes we may hold on to that for years. And there are people that go to the grave with that. But as we've read, how can we expect forgiveness from God if we don't forgive ourselves? And a lot of times we get tripped up on these easy things here, or much more than we should. And then as you move up this, and this is in no scientific order, you may have different um, things that you would add to this list or rearrange, but hurt feelings may be a little bit harder to forgive. You know, somebody hurts your feelings, and again, sometimes that's taken on to the grave. Then maybe property damage, vandalism, somebody you know, damages your property. We've had some of that here in our in our property here. Those are, you know, really those are bad things. They're despicable. They shouldn't happen, but they're really not life-changing for the most part. We probably don't carry on the rest of our lives not knowing if we can go on with life because our property is damaged. But we may take that with us for the rest of our life and refuse to offer forgiveness. Humiliation. If somebody embarrasses us public, now we're getting a little more, little bit harder to, to forgive. Theft, especially if it's something very valuable, a precious heirloom. If a car is stolen, you lose tens of thousands of dollars. Somebody has steals your identity and you lose everything. You lose your retirement. Well, now it's a little bit harder to forgive those things. Slander. Somebody ruins your name. That can cost you your job. It can cost, if you're in politics, that could literally cost you the presidency. Property destruction. If you were to go home and pull up to your house and somebody lit your house on fire today, would you be able to forgive that person? And then you get into the really hard things where we hear these accounts, just awful stories all the time of these events, and then we hear these great accounts where the victims come around and they often develop a friendship with the person that sinned against them, and you think, how could I, could I do that? Where you get into, somebody physically harms you, beats you up, they cut your hand off, they paralyze you. How could you ever, for, you're literally not able to sleep because of those things. It's life-changing. Assault on a loved one. That one is, that would be bad. Those of us with children, we hear about this far too much where, you know, these people go and, you know, I don't have to elaborate, but they kidnap children and so forth. And you just hear these stories and it's just unbelievable what, what people will do to one another. But if that's one of your loved ones, like let's say your child was kidnapped today or maybe your spouse, and you never saw him again, and you knew who did that, could you ever forgive that person? And then finally, murder of a loved one. Somebody 
kills your loved one. That'd probably be at the top of the list because you're not going to get that person back. Could you forgive that person? And again, all of this is just to put it in perspective because we really probably aren't in this realm up here very much where it's hard to forgive. We're just usually in these easy inconveniences, these minor things where we are thinking they're so very hard. How could I ever forgive this when really big scheme of things, we should be very quick to forgive those things. Jesus tells us, judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Just further reinforcement, forgive and you will be forgiven. If Jesus could forgive those that crucified him, that leaves us no justification for, especially on those minor inconveniences for to withhold forgiveness. You know, we, we, you got to wonder how God looks on us because a lot of times we're boo-hooing, I can't forgive him. Did you hear what he said about me? And then God is maybe thinking, you see how, what they did to my son? He was betrayed by one of his best friends, one of the apostles. Well, I can't forgive him because he said that about me. Well, what did they say about Jesus? Think about the lies they said about him. Well, that guy, he, he ripped me off. You know, he really took advantage of me. Well, what about those soldiers that stripped, stripped Jesus down and beat him before they nailed him to the cross? They put that crown of thorns on his head and all the awful things that they did to him. And here you are complaining, you know, you can't forgive somebody for this thing they did to you. That guy just cut me off. I'm going to teach him a lesson. And that list goes so on and on and on. You can think of many things that we get caught up in and we're boo-hooing all over these things that we can't forgive. Forgiveness is so very hard on these things. But then we look at Jesus and what all He endured and He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And He says, forgive and you shall be forgiven. Forgiveness is a gift. Do we appreciate that gift? And do we offer it to others? If you are, again, if you're between sin and forgiveness, and you haven't got forgiveness yet, what is keeping you in that situation? That's what we want to ask this morning. What is keeping you in that situation? I'll leave you with one final question. Why am I waiting for forgiveness? God has said, if you come to me, if you ask, I will forgive you. The people that crucified Jesus, you know, Jesus says, forgive them for they know not they, what they do. They were doing it out of ignorance. But when they realized what they had done, we fast forward a little bit to the day of Pentecost. We fast forward to the Apostle Peter's Gospel sermon. When he, he reminds them, the story of Jesus, and you know those people, they, they, they're no longer ignorant at that point. They said, what have we done? They realized, I, we need forgiveness for this. They didn't know what to do. And what did Peter tell them? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. He said, if you want forgiveness, the remission of sins you want that slate wiped clean you know it's laid out very clearly 
here in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. And that invitation is, is for if you have not obeyed the gospel, if, if you have not been baptized, and as we're told, baptized for the remission of sins, if you haven't taken that step this morning, you know, the only question is, what, why not? What, what are you waiting for? And at the same time, if we've already taken that step, but maybe we've drifted back off and, and we need forgiveness, what are we waiting for? We may not have another opportunity to get forgiveness. And on the other hand, what if we haven't forgiven somebody else? What are we waiting on? What good is that grudge going to do for you? What are we waiting on to either get forgiveness or give forgiveness. This morning, if you would like to, to be baptized or if you are struggling in this area of forgiveness or any other area of your Christian walk and you need the prayers of the church, we invite you to come forward and have a seat on the front pew while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.